<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Prince Harry's book slashes his popularity in America even as young people in Britain turn against the monarchy. And Gillian Maxwell is talking about Prince Andrew. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's Chief Royal Correspondent, and this is Newsweek's Royal Report. So, Prince Harry's book is out, and it is a tale of two numbers. At the same time, it is a roaring commercial success, having shifted 3.2 million copies worldwide, um, and that includes 1.6 million in America. Um, So he will obviously be very, very happy with those numbers, but probably also less happy with another set of numbers which have emerged from some exclusive polling done for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton, um, which shows that Harry has dropped 45 points in his net approval rating in America and Meghan has dropped 38 points. So this is a significant swing. It's dropped them both into negative net approval ratings. It follows a extraordinary week after the book's release in which there was one particular segment that became a talking point both on social media and late night comedy shows and in the media in general as well as on WhatsApp groups the world over and it was Prince Harry talking about his frostbitten crown jewels and specifically about how he applied his mother's favourite lip cream to try to deal with the frostbite. Um, Now, this, for me, felt like it came on the back of an era where there were perhaps some smaller telltale signs that some people in America were starting to view Harry and Meghan a little bit differently and maybe a little bit less sympathetically, maybe still ultimately supporting them, but perhaps asking more questions than they had been in the aftermath of Oprah. Uh, one of the big things after the Netflix documentary in December was some major publications like Variety, for example, questioning whether Harry and Meghan needed to leave their royal story behind and start saying something new, creating a new brand that had nothing to do with the life they left behind. Now, take that position and throw in a couple of major revelations from the publicity that Harry did around the book, including him saying that him and Meghan never accused the royal family of racism. And I can fully believe that there might be a contingent of the softer support that Harry and Meghan had in America who might have been starting to waver before this Elizabeth Arden cream frostbite story came about. But what appears to have happened since that story emerged was that Harry became a figure of ridicule. He has been mocked by a wide variety of people, including uh, Jimmy Kimmel several times, uh, Jimmy Fallon and uh, others as well, including at the Critics' Choice Awards live on stage. And the end result appears to be that maybe some of those people who were wavering before and unsure whether whether their support was starting to ebb and flow away have turned against Harry and, it would seem, Meghan too. So where does this leave them? It seems like this trend exists across all age groups, um, so it includes their core support among 18 to 24-year-olds, which is where so much of their content has been aimed. 
it also exists across gender lines. I mean, Megan, obviously, her Archetypes podcast was had a very strong feminist message. She has really branded herself for many years as a kind of feminist activist and campaigner, but she is no more likely to be uh, seen positively by women than men. And in fact, by a very small margin, men actually appeared to like her more than women in the polling. But it was such a small margin that, to be fair, that probably does fall within the margin of error that all these polls have. It's very difficult with polling. People sometimes question it because, obviously, what polling organisations do is they try to ask questions of a representative sample of a country. Now, America is obviously a huge country. Our poll was a poll of 2,000 people. So what they do is they pull people from every different demographic group, every different age group, and they try to represent the whole country through samples taken from each different type of person. Harry's book sales were, you know, he sold 1.6 million books in America. In fact, it will be more than that now because that figure is now a few days old. It's a huge number of books, but obviously those people are a small fraction of the population of America. And they are also, crucially, not a representative sample of Americans. Also, they, just because they bought the book, it doesn't necessarily mean that they liked Harry before, and it certainly doesn't necessarily mean that they like him after reading it. They may well do, but they are still ultimately 1.6 million people or slightly more. So Harry, you know, it's not that they don't have still a base of people who support them. They absolutely 100% do, but they also have a big contingent of people who have swung against them. That creates an interesting situation for them reputationally. Commercially, they may still be perfectly capable of making money in America because people with strong opinions will ultimately tune in whether they're tuning in to hate them or love them. And actually, they've been hated in Britain for quite a long time now and are still shifting huge numbers of copies of national newspapers. They are inspiring debates on television day after day after day. So... Being hated doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be commercially unsuccessful. But the question is, do Harry and Meghan mind people disliking them? Now, it's an open question. And who's to say that they won't pop up somewhere in in six months' time and say that actually they're completely fine with it? But it does feel like on the basis that everything they've said so far and everything that we know about them points to the probability that they will not be happy with this situation, that they will want to be liked as well as commercially successful. Now, I've been trying to speak to people from the world of PR about this to find out whether this is going to be a permanent problem or a temporary swing. Sometimes these things are temporary, and really all of the most important analysis that you can draw from polling is drawn based on the long-term picture. If this all swings back to Harry and Meghan in a few months' time and their popularity is restored and people just simply forget about the Elizabeth Arden cream or any other aspects of the book publicity or the book itself that they might not have liked, then no problem for Harry and Meghan. A temporary blip in the road is absolutely fine as long as you recover from it. However, what I think will be slightly difficult for them is that obviously their incredible, incredible popularity that they enjoyed in Britain did collapse after they quit and that situation has not repaired itself over time. So what we're seeing in America is America snapping back to the perspective on Harry and Meghan that the British public have taken since January 2020, then that would suggest a much bigger long-term problem. 
Now, one thing that may suggest that that, in fact, is what's happening is that there has been a huge transformation in the American public's attitude to whether Harry and Meghan should lose their titles. Obviously, keen listeners will know that they are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and that there have been debates raging in the British media and some aspects of the American media for years, ever since they quit about these titles. It was a big thing, actually, in the very first year that they spent in America when um, it was even mentioned by, you know, a Republican congressman wrote to the British ambassador in Washington to demand that the Queen remove their titles when Harry and Meghan were commenting on the US presidential election. And for a long time, Americans didn't seem to particularly care. Uh, Newsweek polled America as recently as December the 5th. And about 44% of the American public thought that Harry and Meghan should keep their titles compared to somewhere in the general ballpark of about 25% who thought that they should lose them. Now those figures have turned on their head and 45% of the American public think that Harry and Meghan should lose their titles. So that does sound like... The, it's not simply a, a negative re- reaction to what's being seen on television, but a snapback to the British perspective. Um, if that becomes a long-term problem, then I think that it will be hugely sad for Harry and Meghan. Like I said, it might not actually stop them from earning money, but they do, needless to say, still have a big question in front of them, which is what do they do next? Um, I've already said that obviously in December there were questions being asked about how many more times they can return to the story of their exit from the palace and from the royal family. They've already told it's, well, I mean, several major times, um, if you count sort of Oprah Winfrey, also the Netflix documentary and now Harry's book. But actually it's many more times than that because there was also the Apple TV documentary, The Me You Can't See, that Prince Harry did with Oprah and Harpo. There was also the Armchair Expert podcast that Harry went on the same month in May 2021. Um, Meghan had a few uh, subtle digs at the royal family in her Archetypes podcast. And then there have been other little bits and pieces uh, smattering around here and there, like Meghan's interview with The Cut, etc., etc., So they will need to decide whether they think they can actually return to that story at all, having told it so many times. If they decide that they can't, then the big question for Harry and Meghan in 2023 is what do you do next? Can they get enough interest in their charitable causes, the really kind of inspiring work that they do, which is very laudable and the public definitely love them doing it, but will it get the vast commercial success that these other royally focused projects have had. Now, they actually had another Netflix show which aired over the, over the festive season, which was about leadership. And it uh, did, I think it's safe to say that it did not trigger the tidal wave of headlines that some of their big royal projects have triggered. Like uh, Oprah created huge international debates about racism um, the Netflix documentary, you know, there was rolling coverage on British TV, but also in America too. And the book tour obviously has probably been the most intense period of coverage of Harry and Meghan's lives in America. So this new Netflix show, Live to Lead, has just simply not had the same impact in America. So it will be really interesting to see what companies like Netflix and Spotify think about that. Like, are they now having had some 
quite commercially successful projects from Harry and Meghan, will they be happier to kind of have something a little softer going forwards that maybe doesn't generate quite such a big global debate, something that doesn't uh, get quite as much traffic and therefore doesn't make quite as much money? Or will they want more fireworks with every single project that Harry and Meghan do? So that, I think, is going to be the big question that we will no doubt start to get some kind of an answer to over the course of 2023. But right now, we have heard very little to tell us which way they're going to jump. We do know that another Netflix show is coming soon, which is Harry and, uh, Prince Harry's Hearts of Invictus uh, show about the Invictus Games, which is probably his single biggest project um people will no doubt many people will know what it is already but it is a olympic style tournament for current and former military personnel who are in some way wounded or sick and it has drawn some of the biggest political figures on the planet in the past from obama to the bidens and he will be hoping for a really good uh, success story out of that show but also we will be looking to see whether there are new projects announced over the course of the year uh, now i've been speaking to pr experts about where they think harry and Meghan now stand um, one told me, for example, that Invictus might actually be Harry's way out of the reputational slump he's experienced in America. It is obviously an incredibly unique project. You know, there are very few people on the planet who can say they've done anything equivalent to what Harry's doing there. Um, and he, you know, veterans are a community in America who quite rightly do need high profile figures standing up for them. Um, and anyone who does that is going to get significant reputational boost out of doing so. With Harry, the whole thing makes total sense. It's drawn from his own life experience, having been a soldier on the front line in Afghanistan himself. So that could be one way that Harry seeks to rebuild the brand. Maybe he made the money out of the uh, royally focused shows, and then he can restore the brand with some more kind of worthy, but perhaps less attention grabbing content. Megan will have to decide whether she's going to do a archetype series too. I personally think that Megan almost certainly will do something more with Spotify. I wonder though whether she might ditch the archetypes format because she uh, has parted ways with the senior producer um, on the show, uh, Rebecca Sananez, and she has also for the last two episodes of the first series, she kind of already ditched the concept a little bit. So the concept started off being... Each episode focused on a single identified label that is used to hold women back. So it was everything from uh, the trope of the angry black woman to the trope of the diva to the way that ambition is used as a, as a slur to hold women back. So by the time she got to the last two episodes, she moved off that. And she instead of look instead of tying the episode around a single word, a single label, she did something slightly different. So one of them, she uh, looked at moving past the archetype to how we kind of uh, live as people in a better world. And then in the final episode, she dispensed with an element of the format that had seen her interview women in every single episode and broadened the conversation out by inviting three men onto the show, including Trevor Noah and others. Um, so. 
my gut feeling is that we will see Megan on Spotify again, but maybe with a slightly different show, a slightly different concept. I think, though, that it will target a cause or a uh, an area of their philanthropic work that um, she wants to highlight and prioritize, because that, I think, really is where they go from here, shoring up their brand by looking to the good causes that they have been known for for the past several years. Now, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I'm back, don't forget to rate and review The Royal Report on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And next up, I'll be talking about a major change in attitudes to the monarchy among young people in Britain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Thank you. Welcome back. And a significant shift has taken place in the way that young people in Britain view the monarchy. Uh, 18 to 24-year-olds now favour abolishing the monarchy um, by a a kind of absolute majority. 52% of young people in Britain would choose to abolish the monarchy rather than um, keep King Charles as Britain's head of state. Um, Now, this opinion is not necessarily actually shared outside of Gen Z. Older Brits are very positive about monarchy. So when you look at the statistic overall across the whole age range of the country, it looks like the monarchy is still very popular in Britain. But that kind of overarching overhead figure hides this emerging trend in the young. Now, this is something that's been the case uh, in to a lesser extent ever really since the aftermath of Oprah. That was the first moment that there started to become signs deep buried in the polling data that young people might be viewing monarchy differently. Um, but this is the most striking that I've seen some of these figures. In fact, um, young people were asked what they thought of the monarchy more generally, whether they felt positive or negatively about it. And the royals as a family in general have crashed down to minus 27 um, in their net approval rating among Gen Z. Uh, so we I spoke about 52% wanting to replace Charles with an elected head of state. That compares to only 34% who want to keep him as king. So that's a really clear-cut majority for abolishing the monarchy. And of those who expressed an opinion, 68% said they felt strongly in terms of the number of people who felt very positive about the royal family in general, that was just 5%, um, while overall 27% felt very negatively. So this is obviously going to make difficult, difficult reading for the royal family. They will probably have had a kind of underlying feeling that Harry and Meghan were disintegrating on in terms of British public opinion and that therefore the monarchy didn't really have to do too much or worry too too hard Um, But clearly, the picture is very different depending on how old you are. 
And um, it may well be that the coronation gives them a bit of a publicity PR bump. And if some of that damage is is repaired during that time, then they may go back to not worrying too much. But if this different perspective on monarchy beds itself in and becomes dyed in the wool or baked in with that 18 to 24 age bracket, then these are the subjects of future King William. So, it, you know, Prince William, as he is now, will need to take this really seriously because this is probably realistically his problem. You know, there is so much support for monarchy among older people um, that, char- you know, the, the crisis probably won't actually become real during Charles's reign. But as those young people get older, if they retain those opinions, then it could be that by the time William takes the throne, monarchy is a much more divisive subject in Britain. Now, there's an important if in that statement. It's not for definite that they will retain those opinions. They could, of course, change their minds. However, at Newsweek, we have been trying to keep an eye on other aspects of public opinion. One of which is the Financial Times, which is a very well-respected newspaper in Britain, um, has been looking at whether young people are, uh, as they get older, becoming more conservative. You know, this is obviously the stereotype that has existed for many, many decades. You know, as you start off young, rebellious, revolutionary, maybe, you know, wanting in, indulging in the idea that we might one day have a communist revolution or whatever, uh, whatever the stereotype is, and then as you get older, you become a bit more cynical, Instead of thinking about your kind of ideals, uh, you become rooted in the material reality of your life. So you then have money that you want to protect, or if you don't have money, you're thinking simply about, you know, what in the short, immediate term will will fix that for you. So you're you become less of an idealist and more of a kind of concrete realist, and in so doing, you become more conservative. That's the theory, but this does not seem to be happening anymore. Now, the Financial Times journalist who did some of this research suggested that one of the reasons might be that the... uh, So we're not actually talking about Gen Z right now because obviously they're still young. We're talking about millennials. And millennials kind of came of age during the financial crash uh, in 2008 and now are kind of in their mid-30s, possibly some in their late 30s. And his theory is that basically because they went through this incredibly financially traumatic shared experience together, they have held on to a desire to make the world a financially fairer place. One reason why that might also create problems for the monarchy, assuming his theory is correct, is that the uh, the monarchy for some people is a symbol, a symbol of inequality in society. Now, not everybody at all. But for some people, and um, quite probably the very 18 to 24-year-olds who we're talking about, uh, the monarchy is an institution that is paid public money, but it does not answer to the culture of democratic accountability that we have in other areas of politics. So obviously, you know, the most clear and obvious thing is that we cannot elect or unelect any particular member of the royal family. And there are, you know, there are questions being asked by those who do want to abolish the monarchy about whether we should have a coronation or whether that's a waste of public money, whether, you know, this member of the royal family or that member of the royal family, including Prince Andrew, should receive police protection. In other words, questions focusing on the finances. There have been questions focusing on whether William and Kate should have moved into a new house in Windsor when they already had one that had been done up at public expense in Kensington Palace and also their uh, their home in the east of England, Anne Mahal. 
So these questions, if they all start to come to a head at the same time, um, they might speak to that kind of sense that the the country at the moment is a financially unfair and unequal place. Um, we can only watch and see what happens. Um, but if nothing changes, then I think concerns will start to grow bigger and bigger within the royal family. And I think they will have to, because before it was a narrow margin in favour of abolishing the monarchy, or it was a straight split. But now this is the first time where I have seen any polling suggesting that 18 to 24-year-olds really clearly by an actual majority would want to abolish the monarchy. And the problem is going to be for Charles and William to solve. They don't have the Queen to help them with it. And on that note, I'm going to take one more quick break. And when I return, we look again at the case of Prince Andrew, which some people are suggesting might fire up again. And in the meantime, if you like this podcast, please feel free to connect on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, welcome back. Now, final story of the day. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell has done an interview from prison in which she says that the famous photograph of Prince Andrew with his arm round Virginia Jeffrey, when she was uh, allegedly a 17-year-old sex trafficking victim of Jeffrey Epstein, is in fact a fake. Now, this is not necessarily the first time this claim has been made. Andrew has certainly kind of hinted at that possibility in the past and other people have said similar things. Um, but what is quite interesting is at the exact time that she has done this, there are also stories appearing in the uh, press in Britain attributed to anonymous sources intimating that Prince Andrew might try to reactivate or file a new lawsuit against Virginia Jeffrey in order to try to get back some of the money that he, that he paid when he settled the case that she brought against him. So, quick recap. Virginia sued Andrew, accusing him of sexual abuse. Um, he initially said that he was going to fight to, you know, fight until the end. It would be a long road to justice, but he would clear his name. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he settled the case out of court, pay- paying Virginia an undisclosed sum in damages. And in doing so, they released a joint statement um, saying that she was, in fact, a Jeffrey Epstein victim and that Andrew had never meant to malign her character. If Andrew goes ahead and tries to do this, then obviously that statement is going to look like it was barely worth the paper that it was written on. But it's an interesting thing that the very first thing we actually have concrete firmly on the record about it has actually come from Ghislaine Maxwell, a woman who is currently serving a jail sentence for sex trafficking. Now, she too, it is suggested, wants to kind of clear her name and appeal her conviction and sentencing. But... Lawyers have also suggested in both cases, both Ghislaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew might actually be barking up the wrong tree and have have no chance of success. So they are definitely both fighting uphill battles. 
um, from Prince Andrew's point of view, if he were to be somehow successful, then the question would inevitably emerge whether he would try to make a return to public life in Britain, you know, maybe try to become a working member of the royal family again. I think, in all honesty, that Prince Andrew should probably take a look at where his own approval rating stands in Britain, because he is by a country mile Britain's most hated member of the royal family. Um, very few people uh, would still stick their head above the parapet to say that they liked him. Uh, recent polling by YouGov suggested that about 12% of Britain likes him compared to 70% who don't. So um, that is really pretty stark and it's very difficult to see that problem going away anytime soon, particularly because he is slightly more liked by some of the oldest people in Britain. So it's, it's, it's the opposite situation to Harry and Meghan, who tend to be slightly better liked by the young. With Andrew, people are more likely to be sympathetic to him the older they get, uh, whereas the people who, you know, the new generation coming through, those are the people who despise him the most. So even if he is successful in court, and that is absolutely a very long way from being guaranteed, and in fact, probably the less likely outcome, as far as lawyers have said, that, you know, it does not necessarily mean that he will actually be able to make a return to public life, or if he does, that he will be anything other than viscerally hated by everybody. Obviously, many people in Britain believe that he should uh, be put on trial based on the allegations against him. Very unlikely to happen, but that is where the public opinion stands right now. And that's it for this episode of The Royal Report. Be sure to tune in every other week for the latest royal headlines, to embark on some royal deep dives, and to riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Jack Royston. Thanks for listening, and a curtsy to you all. <laughs>